I became really hard on myself. And I think I even had like a friendship phobia happen because I was like, you know, I really convinced myself that I wasn't a good friend. I wasn't a good person like in this particular arena. And so it almost gave me like an apprehension um, about like maintaining and fostering new friendships. And that was very much the space that I was operating in when I wrote that story. And I feel like when you read those words, like I feel like my pain is very like palpable. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm very like frustrated and angry and sad and lonely and all of that. Um, I hope it translates. This is the Hello 20s podcast. My name is Jan and I'm your host. I'm an online content creator trying to navigate life while in my 20s and sprinkling a little knowledge and wisdom here and there. Let's face it, we don't have it all figured out, but we can learn a little from each other along the way. And I'm so glad you guys are tuning in on today's podcast. Hello friends, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I am so excited for you to hear the conversation Koei and I had in this episode. Koei is a writer. She recently wrote two articles that were featured on Vogue. Her first one is titled, I asked four former friends why we stopped speaking. Here's what I learned. And she also wrote her second piece that is titled, Five years into my relationship, I reconnected with three former boyfriends. Here's what I've learned about them, myself, and love. So I will leave links to her articles in the show notes for you to check out. In this episode, I got to speak with her about what she has learned from reconnecting with those from her past. And we also talked about navigating friendships and friendship expectations in your 20s. So I hope you're ready for this episode because I had so much fun talking with Koei. She had some really great things to say and share from her reflection. All right. Hello, Koei. Thanks so much for coming on to this podcast. I know there is a time difference between where you are in Kenya and where I am in DC. (laughs) So I'm really glad that, you know, we're able to find a time to sit down and talk about your article um, that you wrote for Vogue. Um, The topic of friendship is like something that I have been thinking about a lot lately so when I saw your article first off actually well let me finish that sentence when I saw your article I was like oh my gosh she has to come on and talk about this because it's such a unique topic I haven't heard people like write about this Um, also just mention I feel like it's a full circle moment right now having you on the podcast because I don't know if you remember how we connected we connected a few years ago on Instagram yeah <laughs> when you dm me yeah. i was like oh my gosh i remember her we talked a little while back and i've always kind of yes. had that via social media and i'm like oh she's like doing like such dope shit like someday we'll be able to like our paths were <laughs> crossed so this is it means a lot to me thank you so much for having yeah me. i remember when we connected a few years ago you were um with a magazine in dc and then yeah. we did a interview um on my podcast or they interviewed about my podcast and now we're doing a full circle uh and now I'm having you on my podcast and you're the guest on the (laughs) podcast so I'm really excited to have you um come on here but before we dive into you know your article on Vogue like congratulations that I know is like a big thing not just one piece but two articles congrats on that (laughs) 
That was my goal. Right? I, I stepped into 2023 and I was like, I just want to like, I don't know what the story is yet. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but I would just love to write for Vogue. Um, and the fact that it came together with, with these articles that were extremely personal and mean so much to me was just like, what an icing on, on, on the cake. Yeah, I listened to one of the podcast interviews you had um, recently, and you mentioned that you pitched them a few times, and you actually got some no's before that. So I want to, you know, it was really inspiring to hear that you you still, you know, kept it going, and you thought of other ideas to pitch, and the idea that they were like, okay, yes, go, is actually a topic that was very hard for you to start diving deeper into is that right yeah it was super super difficult and it was one of those things and I, and I talked about it before but it really was one of those ideas when I thought when the angle came to me and I it was one of those like in passing like oh I wonder if you know instead of talking about like what this feels like in theory or what my feelings are like now or what they were like then I wonder if I could talk to my ex-friends and provide a different perspective on it um and when it came to me I was like oh like that's a great idea. Will they go for it? I don't know if they do. Oh my gosh, what's this going to be like for me? And so it was very much a whirlwind. And it was, um, yeah, and I was terrified the entire time, the entire process. I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> this makes no sense. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, connecting with anybody in your past, especially if there has been, you know, a ending, whether it's, you know, abrupt or it's just like, you know, a fizzle out. It's it's hard to just be like, hey, remember me, you know, that little DM. So how did you have that courage to, you know, start that conversation with those people? That's a really great question. It, it took me a while to get the courage. So I think pitching, getting my head around the idea was one part of the process. And then now like actually acting on it was something else. And um, thankfully, Vogue was really generous with the timeline. And so I was like, okay, I'm just gonna like, psych myself up first. And then and really, I had to give myself a lot of like pep talks in regards to like, okay, like, it's okay. Like, this is a long time ago, right? This is not a personal attack on you or who you are. Like, I really like, because I'm a very like emotional person. And I, um, I spend a lot of time thinking about like, how I make others feel how I feel about things. I'm just I'm a cancer. I'm an emotional girl. And so I really <laughs> had to prepare for a while. So once I found like I was in a somewhat stable place, then it just came to like tracking down people. I reached out a lot to a lot of people on Instagram, DM, um, on Twitter, on LinkedIn for one person, emailing. And the approach is really like, let me just be as humble and honest as possible and as understanding as possible. You know, just being like, hey, I know this is strange. Like I am, I fully understand. I'm as weirded out and as nervous as you are by this interaction, even though it's just virtual. Um, have this huge favor to ask you. It doesn't need to go anywhere beyond this. That That's all something that I make clear with everyone that I talked to. I didn't want anyone to feel pressure like, oh, we have to like necessarily like rehash everything from the past or we have to like repair it and then like become like best friends again. So I think that's what um, I think that's what helps people feel comfortable participating because I really was like, there's no expectations. You know, you take some time, I'll take some time. I had a lot of people send me voice notes or send me um, messages um, instead of having like a back and forth conversation to again kind of respect that space and what, you know, just the emotional aspect of everything. And so, yeah, it definitely was with a lot of caution. That's the short answer and a lot of nerves. <laughs> and then a lot of surprising, wonderful things from where those conversations led. 
Yeah, and we're going to discuss that later in this podcast. But you wrote two articles. You wrote one about reaching out to your ex-best friends. And then you wrote one about reaching out to your ex-lovers. I want to ask you, which (laughs) which one was a little bit more harder the first one or the second one Mm, I think that um that's such a good question I think they were they were harder and they they each had their difficult aspects um their different experiences I I think that um it was harder um uh, oh this is difficult difficult. (laughs) it's difficult I'm trying to think um I think that obviously ex-boyfriends was a much harder ask and a much harder conversation, a thousand percent. I think that um, I felt more nervous emotionally in regards to the friendships one, because I am really struggling with friendship loss right now and making new friends. I felt like I was a little bit more vulnerable in that aspect of my life versus with relationships. I'm in a happy relationship now. And so I didn't feel that pressure of, oh, um, I'm vulnerable in this aspect in my life, if that makes sense. So I think that they both Mm -hmm. had kind of like their moments. Um, But yeah, definitely um, the ex-boyfriends was the harder conversation for obvious reasons. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I think losing a friend, especially a close friend, that yeah. is very hard emotionally it's to deal so with, too. Yeah. yeah. Because I think it can it's be worse not... than a romantic breakup in a yes. lot of ways. Yeah. Yes. Because I think what's so special about, like, having close, like, friendships is that, you know, there's no – I feel like it's so pure compared to, you know – um a romantic relationship obviously that is special in its own way but with friendships it's like the, these people are there for you and you're there for them no matter what and you know yeah. you're not really getting anything other like anything else yeah. coming like back you know what I mean I know exactly really, yeah yeah I can't really articulate it so I'm hoping <laughs> the guests are you and uh the listeners are understanding where I'm coming from but there's it's it's just so pure and so when you lose yeah. something like that it's like how do you grieve right and it's right. It, right there's one thing you mentioned in your article and I'm just gonna read it straight from it um you said and I'm really glad you highlighted this you said these days my social life tends to begin and end with nights on the couch rewatching shameless with my boyfriend I'm ashamed and terrified about that reality it feels dangerous to rely on only him for human connection and what I really like about how you mentioned this is I feel like when people get into a relationship They feel like, okay, I only need this one person really for my human connection, right? And Mm -hmm. sometimes it's really easy to neglect nurturing the friendships that you have outside of that. Um, Or I don't know if like what the culture is like in Kenya, but I feel like in the US, we are very individualistic. Um, We are very independent. Sometimes it can be hyper independent, which can get really toxic where you feel like you don't need anybody else to rely on. You can do things by yourself. So I would love for you to just expand on that and your experience with that. Yeah, I I love that you brought up the cultural differences in in Kenya. This is something that I wanted to actually get into more in the article. But you know, I had a limited word count, um, and I had to keep things concise. And there was bigger fish to fry. But that plays such a role, I think, in the way in which I process and understand it, um, relationships, platonic or romantic. Um, you're exactly right, right? Like in the U.S., it's all about the individual hype. Everyone's like doing their own thing. Everyone's on their own on their own path and hyper focused on that path. Kenya is very opposite. Kenya is very much a community 
culture, right? Like it's about like your family and your networks and that's where you get your social currency from. And it's interesting. I struggled making friends in both spaces for different reasons. In America, I always kind of felt like even amongst my close friends that like I was kind of the outsider of the group, right? Like, you know, we all know the dynamic of groups, right? Like there's inevitably Mm -hmm. friends that are closer. There are people who like dip in and out, right? And I always kind of felt like the person who dipped in and out, like they're the group itself was much closer without me in the equation. And so I really struggled with trying to feel like I belonged to anybody, to anything um, in that space. In Kenya, I find because the majority of people here have spent their whole lives here um, and have grown up here, um, been adults here, been kids here, the friendships that they have are friends from like the womb, right? Like it's those friends (laughs) of like, Their parents are friends. Their grandparents are friends. And so here I find that people are very locked in with their communities. And because there isn't really a culture here of um, like going out of your comfort zone or seeking something outside of what is your norm, um, I find myself similarly actually kind of the same side, different side of the same coin to the U.S. I'm trying to infiltrate these friend groups like, hey, like invite me to drinks. Like, can I come? You know what I mean? So it's interesting. I think also to just being a third culture kid and not really feeling like I belong in either kind of like group. Like I'm not really American. I'm not really Kenyan. I'm kind of some sort of hybrid. I think also kind of like is the heartbeat of that problem. But a lot of people, regardless of identity, experience that. And I think that's why these articles did well, because you know, this is a common thing. And we don't, and to your point, we don't talk about it enough. I think that we have a really strong language for how to grieve broken relationships, but broken friendships, even broken like family relationships, I'd love to get into one day. We don't have a, we don't have a a language or a, um, a way to go about processing that kind of pain. For sure. And I remember reading a book. um, I can't remember the title of the book, but I read it about two years ago. And they said, the author said that I feel like when, you know, you are grieving a friendship or a loss of a friendship, it's not as high of a hierarchy as, you know, grieving a family member that passed away or conflict within family or um, a romantic relationship. And I, I do see that where you know, if it's like if you had a family member that passed away or you went through a breakup, there's more of a, okay, I understand what you're going through type of energy. But then when it's you losing a friend, it's just like, okay, you know, you'll, you'll get over it type of and I yeah. around that from people. Yeah. yeah. I think it's so interesting because it's so common, but it's so underrated. And it's, so it's interesting. Like I had a lot of people who were in my life who I shared a lot of the problems that I was having with friends and how lonely I was feeling. And their responses when I told them like prior to the story was like exactly that. We're like, hey, like we're sorry. Which again, understandable. I don't fault them for that. Again, I think it's more of a culture society thing. Um, but then after they, in, and in those first moments of them consoling me, they never shared like, oh, hey, I feel the same, whatever, whatever. Then after I put those mm-hmm. articles out, then they come back and they're like, hey, no, like I really like, I have experienced this and this is, and I'm like, why wouldn't we, why are we just now like talking about this? It's so interesting that um it really is like I don't know if repressed is the word but we really do like brush it under the rug I think and yeah no that's actually that's so interesting how you mentioned you know when they're consoling you during the process it's like you know you don't you don't have that type of conversation but then when they hear it from your article or they read it from your article it's like everyone comes out and they're like this is so relatable so it's like it's very hush hush but then 
when there's an article about it, it's like, oh, I can really relate to this. And there's a lot of people who relate to this. Yeah. And I think, I think um, people don't warn you about outgrowing friendships as well, Mm -hmm. the older you get. (laughs) Yeah. And then you think that something is wrong with you because again, like nobody ever told you that this happens. I don't know about you, but I grew up, I'm a child of the 2000s. So I watched like all of those shows, like friends and living single and and new girl and like I mean there's countless shows about when you're in your 20s like it's all about your friends you know I never thought that friends would ever be a problem for me at this stage in my life at all I thought this was gonna be peak like I'm going out every night I live in this gorgeous loft with like four of my best friends our social calendar is packed and so and then that's what we're taught that's what the media has taught us that's what I think even like older generations have preached to us and so yeah it's just I think we've been severely misinformed (laughs) for sure but actually now that you brought that up you know that's how I thought friendships would be like too um going into my 20s we would be going out we would be Mm -hmm. living within five minutes from each other a five minute walk instead of you know a five minute drive is kind of long especially (laughs) it it is kind of a hassle like walking being living walking distance from your friends is just so much easier you know it's more convenient Mm -hmm. and I think um a lot of like adult friendship is about catching up like going to dinner and catching up and stuff but A lot of what makes friendship really strong is doing things together. And if you don't yes. live that close to each other, it's very hard to because you're. it feels like if you're catching up for dinner, it feels like you're just reporting to someone instead of right. living life with them, you know? Absolutely. And so yeah, when you mention – <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And so when you mention, you know, how you saw – friendships through media in the 2000 and expecting that to be kind of what your life would be like and not having that it's really hard you know you kind of think oh is it is it me that like Mm -hmm. that's wrong or is it the culture or like you know this is how life is right it really makes you question like your capability of maintaining friendships or building friendships or making new friendships as well yeah, I couldn't agree more. And we just we just don't have the tools. We don't talk about it enough. We're not prepared. We don't know how to navigate friendships. But I also think that to a certain extent, we need to taught we need to be taught how to be someone's friend, um, and how to mm-hmm. and how to have a healthy platonic relationship. I even think about like conflicts that I've had with platonic friends before, and we and we don't know how to navigate those, right? Like we kind of have to like yeah. we don't have a language for um for how to deal with conflict, how to deal with um so many things regarding friendship please talk about it more for sure for sure do you think um friendship has changed because of how we have these tools such as social media so everybody's more you know Mm -hmm. distance and we rely on social media or we rely on technology to connect us Mm -hmm. and we think you know it's a tool in the back of our toolbox that we can just pull out whenever we we want, but mm. we don't do it often enough. And that's what creates this distance and within friendships. Absolutely. I definitely think that social media plays a role. I even think like culture itself and what happens in life plays a role. Like I think about things like the pandemic and so many people, like that was such a life altering moment for so many people, myself included. Um, and it changed the way many people look at their lives, right? Like after that, I decided to move back to Kenya and that affected my friendships. And so I think, so much can affect 
that um, that kind of relationship. Um, social media for sure, because I think that you know, social media is a facade, right? Like it can because you're looking at someone's Instagram, it, it can feel like, and it sounds stupid, right? Because we all know that it's not real at this point. Like there's been countless mm-hmm. offsets, and like we understand what social media is, but still, I think we all fall, fall into that trap of oh, I'm scrolling through my best friends timeline or whatever and I feel like I'm with her because I know what she did last night or I know what she's gonna do like in a week from now but that's not that's not a real connection but that's the thing about social media yeah. it kind of creates this false community which it, if harnessed well can be amazing but um, a lot of times I think it actually confuses between like what's real connection what's real bonding um what's what does tapping into somebody's life and connecting with someone really look like versus you mm-hmm. know like the facade of social media Exactly. I I like how you brought that up because it it brings me back to or it reminds me of how sometimes some of my closest friends, they will share, you know, big announcements on social media um, instead of sending a text. Right. And to Mm -hmm. me, it doesn't feel as personable. Like I I feel like I'm just viewing somebody else's life, even Mm -hmm. though they're like one of my best friends versus if they sent me a text message about it first, then I feel like, oh, okay, we can connect on this. Like, let me congratulate you through a text or through a phone call versus a comment on Instagram or on social media. It just doesn't feel the same, even though it's supposed to connect us, right? Yeah. It feels fake and yeah. sometimes that like really makes me feel sad. Like I, I could even be like, it could be a friend that I'm no longer close to or someone who I talk to quite frequently who's still a part of my life. Whenever I see those likes, oh, like big announcement type of in- Instagram post or whatever, <laughs> I, I, I feel like, um, I don't know, I feel like left out a lot of the times. Like I'm like, oh, like yes. I'm only a part of the manufactured um experience of this moment for you and it's it's crazy how like this person this could be somebody who hasn't been in my life or any but I still kind of feel that loss like if a friend from college gets married or like I'm like oh like I'm not real I wasn't really a part of it like I'm part of the like orchestrated part yes oh my gosh I completely agree with you that's how I've been feeling sometimes when I see these posts I'm just like uh, like yes congratulations yes I love to hear like or I love to see these updates but at the same time it really looks like I'm I well I truly am looking you know from the outside in of your life and it just doesn't feel personable it doesn't feel like there is a connection but I feel like that feeling with uh even a friend that's like in your life that you speak to on a daily or a monthly, um, it still feels inorganic and yeah. it's actually a little sad. <laughs> yeah, it's sad. I just, um, I'm, it actually weirdly makes me feel better that you feel that way too. Cause I feel like, come on, like buck up champ. You know what I mean? Like there's something to be yeah. like, but it is, it's, it's almost like a little reminder of like, Oh, like we're not that like connected. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, yeah. for sure. And you know, I think it, I, I feel, I love social media. Don't get me wrong, but I do, if I could go back, <laughs> if I could, it has like connected me with so many people yeah. for like you example, like yeah. we wouldn't be connected if it wasn't Absolutely. for social media. But at the same time, I really do miss like the real human connection that you yeah. feel seeing people in person and getting updates. Um, in person. I want to talk about friendship dynamics um, and how that can evolve over time because um, 
when I was little, I had this, or even in high school and college, I had this expectation of what my friendships would be like in my 20s. But no one warns you how it can be very different from your expectations. So can you discuss like your perceptions and expectations of friendship and how that has, you know, changed since reconnecting with your ex best friends? Yeah, absolutely. I, so when I was younger, I was very much like, again, like the sex in the city, the friends, like it really had an imprint on me and so many other people. (laughs) age bracket right and so I I had always envisioned myself like stomping down some sort of like you know city street with a solid like group of people behind me you know all of our personalities are perfectly just like gelled together and (laughs) everything together right like you know we share every milestone we go to brunches every week I just I really thought that um my life when I was younger I thought that in my 20s my life would be like oh just doing fabulous things with friends and then we're all trying to figure out the love part of it I really thought that that would that would be the part like the romantic love that would be the thing that would take me a long time if not a lifetime to figure out um and then get I got into my 20s and I actually saw how it was and one thing I really noted was again I think that you know in the media and just culturally we really gloss over like friendship conflict and I think even a little bit then there was that energy of like you know, well, if you're having this sort of conflict or you're fighting with somebody, like there's kind of like, you know, that cutoff culture, right? Of like, oh, they're like not a good person for you or it's not a good time to be friends or whatever it might be. So it's very much like let's sever the ties because friendship is meant to look like walking down that city street with, you know, the girlfriend that's by your side, no matter what, who you are and what you're going through and how you're treating that person, which I think is important to know, right? Like those, these people will always be by your side. So I felt like, you know, if I ever felt like somebody I was friends with was not like on my side, and that could look like many things, it could be like, maybe they didn't show up for me in this certain thing, or maybe they challenged me on how I acted or reacted to something that to me was the equivalent of you're not by my side, though, like, you're not the, I'm not the caring, you're not the Samantha that's standing right next to me, no matter what happens. And so I think the biggest kind of like shocker for me was, oh, like, it matters how you treat people. It's, it sounds really like weird and like bad. And I'm not like a terrible person. <laughs> I try not to <laughs> no, be. No, you're not. I think I just like didn't realize that like it, friends are like not guaranteed in life, but it matters how you treat people. Like I think when I was younger, I often felt like, oh, like, you know, let's say something else stressing me in my life and I blow out on my friend. Of course, like that's allowed, but it that matters, right? Like I caused that person pain or stress or whatever because of that explosion that I might've had. So for me, the biggest learning lesson was, oh, like friends aren't guaranteed. It matters how you tr- how you treat people, even if you aren't in a good place. I think a lot of times I would not hold myself accountable because, you know, I'm not in a good place for whatever reason. Maybe so-and-so broke up with me or, oh, like, you know, I'm having a hard time at my job or whatever. I thought that, you know, it, it didn't, that stuff was, it, it didn't matter. Like, you know what I mean? Like treating somebody, when you're in a dark place, you kind of get this like get out of jail free card. Um, so then fast forward to the other part of your question, how it changed after those conversations. I think, it definitely changed the way that I look at myself as a friend. I think, you know, after going through so much friend loss and so much loneliness, I became really hard on myself. And I think I even had like a friendship phobia happen because I was like, you know, I really convinced myself that I wasn't a good friend. I wasn't a good person, like in this particular arena. And so 
it almost gave me like an apprehension um, about like maintaining and fostering new friendships. And that was very much the space that I was operating in when I wrote that story. And I feel like when you read those words, like I feel like my pain is very like palpable, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm very like frustrated and angry and sad and lonely and all of that. Um, I hope it translates. But um, so yeah, so after those conversations, I, it took a big weight off of my shoulders because it made me realize, oh, okay, like, you know, there like, there was, it was a bigger picture than what I think I had thought had happened. Obviously I looked at these severed relationships through my specific lens. And so I had a very specific idea of what happened. And so talking to them and hearing that it was a much different, a much bigger picture than I had been focusing on made me realize that, Oh, I think I have just been like too hard on myself in general when it comes to like making friends, maintaining friends, all of that stuff. And then also I think too, like repair as possible. Again, I think you know, right now, like cutoff game is it's very hot, it's very popping, it's very buzzy. Yeah. You know? Everyone's trying to cut off everybody. Everyone's trying to cancel everybody in the in their <laughs> personal lives or whatever. And so for me, I was like, you know, that that was the energy that I thought, like, okay, yeah, like we had this fight, our friendships, it's over forever. And so now it's been nice to sort of enjoy, to, to realize and to enjoy that, no, like relationships can be repaired, even if they don't look the same as they did before, which is particularly the case for my ex-boyfriends, of course. Um, people can still be in your lives and still matter to you and still have a presence. And those relationships can evolve. And sometimes for the best, sometimes for not the great, or sometimes even just for something different, something neutrally different. Mm-hmm. So a lot of lessons. Yeah. 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 I like how you brought up um, cutoff culture cut off culture Hard to is that say. what you said cut yeah. off <laughs> <laughs> um basically like also ghosting is so um common mm-hmm. and for me i feel like it, for me it's very hard to do that i feel like sometimes mm-hmm. ghost at least for ghosting i feel like you owe a little bit of a respect to someone to explain like, hey, this is what's happening. And, you know, like things in life happen, right? And I feel like it's easier to, at least for me, it's better to explain a little bit of like, hey, this like friendship is very different right now. I I don't think I can like, you know, it's, I have a lot going on in my life. And having those hard conversations, even though it is hard in the beginning, I think it makes both parties a little bit more happier, more at peace um, than being cut off or uh, being ghosted. Because being ghosted, it's easy, but it's very hurtful. It's very hurtful. That's what I'm – yes. Yeah. uh, Last year, in fact, uh, a new friend ghosted me, and it really, like, put me in a tailspin. Like, it really hurt my feelings. And it really, I I haven't ghosted often, but I definitely have done it once or twice in my life. And it made me, that experience made me really be like, oh no, like, this is mean. Like, this is mean. And it, it comes from a selfish place. And I understand what, what that place is, but on the, being on the receiving end is really, is really, really hard. And no one, I don't think anyone deserves that, to be honest. For sure. I've also been on the receiving end and I think being ghosted by a friend is a lot more hurtful than being ghosted by a romantic partner. Way more hurtful because, you know, with romantic stuff, it's like, you know, everyone, like, I I think like, you know, attraction, interest, it's subjective, right? Like, you know, one Mm -hmm. man smashes the other man's treasure. We've heard all the cliches. So it's like, (laughs) you know, it's easier to roll off your back. But when a friend does it, it's like, oh, no, it's about who you are. <laughs> and yes. wow, confronted with what a thing to be confronted with. 
Yes, for sure. And I think that was when I was ghosted by a really good someone I consider a really close friend. I it, it made me question a lot of things like, did I do something wrong? Did I say something wrong? What what happened within right. it? Um, but I think the more I thought about it, the more I realized, you know, it's how they reacted. It's how they're handling things. And it's more about them than it is about me. And so once I was able to accept that, it was a little bit easier to let it go. A thousand percent. It's mom advice, but it's true advice, right? Like it's, it says more about them and who they are and what they are going through than it does you, you know? For sure. Um, So with reconnecting with these people, what do you think uh, the role of forgiveness plays in the process of reconnecting with these ex-friends? Yeah, I think um, this is I think this is particularly with ex-boyfriends, because, you know, with my ex-friends, the majority of them were, you know, like weird fizzles or like, you know, like we just grew like, you know, we grew apart. There wasn't a whole lot that had animosity. There were some things that I I do express like regret and for, you know, forgiving myself for the way that I handled certain things, particularly with my friend Dominique um, and her being in an abusive relationship and me not knowing how to handle it. And so it, it was crucial for both of us to forgive ourselves as individuals, even less so than it was forgiving each other in order to be able to move forward. Um, Because that was definitely stalling a reconnection because she feels guilty. I feel guilty. Oh, she's living her own life. I'm living my own life. You know what I mean? And us wanting to give each other the room to do that um, because of our guilt. Um, But for ex-boyfriends in particular, I think that, first of all, those conversations wouldn't have been possible if I hadn't already forgiven them, but also forgiven myself. Because as I, as I write in the story, I am not, I have never been someone who's had an amicable breakup. It has always been, you know, the Viola Davis tears, the snot coming down, I'm screaming. (laughs) It's always been that, you know what I mean? Um, So I, yeah, I, I, I have carried so much shame about being that kind of person in relationships in the past, right? Like being somebody who is just like so invested, so emotional in a lot of ways, like very anxious. I used to be a very anxious dater um, because, you know, I was just trying to get across the finish line. I was trying to get a boyfriend. I was trying to, (laughs) so for me, it was really a marathon and a sprint. And so I was exhausted. I, you know, a lot of times I wasn't my best self and I've always carried that shame around with me. Like just, you know, on my back, all of these years. And so, yeah, I think even just like having the courage to reach out to them required me to add, at the very least forgive myself. Forgiving them, I think, was different. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, and then I think now when it came to like, you know, forgiving them and, and forgiving who we were then, that I think really came from the conversations. Um, I was terrified to approach them. Um, you know, again, it was kind of like a multi-part process, right? Like it's the courage to reach out to them. Then you send the message, then it's the courage to read back what they've said. And then it's the courage to engage in the conversation, right? Like you're kind of doing the testing the waters thing. And then now, okay, are we getting into it? Okay, now we're into it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I think what really surprised me was, you know, I, I actually thought that that article was going to be way more negative than it ended up being. And as I was writing, I was hyper conscious of trying to make it one, not feel preachy at all. Like I don't, I don't ever claim to say that I'm a relationship expert or I know anything about what I'm talking about, just coming from an emotional girl's perspective. Um, And so, so yeah, so I was like very, but yeah, so I was very aware of like, you know, I don't want it to be like anything resentful. Like I wanted it to not feel like rooted in that kind of like, you know, like flesh wound. Um, 
And so, so yeah, I, but I was so pleasantly surprised by their responses. They were so kind and gracious and understanding. And I think an extra layer of forgiveness happened in that moment. I don't think that forgiveness is a one-time thing in most cases. I think that yeah. forgiveness is a process. And I think that, you know, you, you, in, I think that you acquire it more and more over time. So I think, you know, I had already, all of my exes, I already had forgiven them on a base level of, okay, I forgive you. I'm not walking around like cursing your name or like <laughs> in your life. Like I've forgiven you on a base level, but then these conversations now took that to an even deeper level of, oh no, I think that now we're healing like wounds that are even like beneath the surface and things that I didn't even know that I was still holding on to. And so it was this deeper, richer level of forgiveness that honestly has been really transformative in the way that I see myself and the way that I even see my current relationship. Um, and so, yeah, that I think was the most rewarding aspect of that particular story. Wow. What you said about how forgiveness isn't just a one-time thing, but there's layers to it and there's levels to it, that really hit me because it made me just reflect back to how that's how I handle things too, you know? Like sometimes when things don't go right with the people in my past or someone has done me wrong, it takes me a while to kind of reflect and be like, okay, like this is what happened. And it takes some time to accept what has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And then with that, it takes time to forgive them, like you said, on a base level. Yeah. But then there's more forgiveness that you can actually do that you don't realize until you have these conversations or more time has gone by and Mm -hmm. you had more time to reflect and to heal from the situation. So that that's yeah. a gold job that should be highlighted everywhere. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I've been, I've been thinking about it a lot because, you know, I was looking back at these in, in preparation for this interview. I was looking back on my notes and the conversations and, um, and the stories. And I was like, oh, you know, these conversations happened over weeks. They weren't just yes. like one kind of sit down, let's hash it out conversation. Um, and a lot of them are still ongoing now. Like even though the stories are out and that chapter of it is done, those conversations are still happening. And that's what really got me thinking about, oh, well, like I think, you know, we think of forgiveness as kind of like this destination, um, but it really is like a journey. Like I think that forgiveness grows and it evolves and it changes and, I, you know, and it can look different at different times. Um, and it can, yeah, it just, it's not a, um, a stagnant thing. It's very fluid. Yeah. That, that's very important to highlight and to tell people as well, because I think when we're younger, we were taught that, okay, say you forgive this person if they apologize to you and you Mm. say it right there and then, but even when I go on my walks and sometimes I think about, you know, the things that happened to me in the past, I think about, okay, what if they came back and, you know, apologize, like a sincere apology? How would I handle that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, like you said, on the base level, I have forgiven them, but it will still take me some time to, you know, dissect what they are saying now and mm-hmm. their apology now. And I, I can't just be like, okay, all is forgiven, right? Yeah. Like it still hurt me emotionally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I still need time to process that just like they had their time to process what they went through after the situation. So and for I think sure there's so much pressure on forgiveness, right? Like, you know, yes. I think it's, it's, it can almost be just as hard to be on the giving end as the receiving end, right? Because then you're also like sitting there like, yes. no, like I need to get over this. I need to forgive this person. And so hopefully this new take uh, on forgiveness gives you the, 
the empowers you to give yourself the room to take your time in forgiveness. You know what I mean? Yes. And even you know, with with your friend, your whoever it is, you know, like understanding that again, like it's a journey, not a destination, and that like it's not like there's no animosity, there's no ill will, there's no like venom there. It's just it's a process for sure. And you know, people whenever you hear someone apologize you know you know like when you hear stories of people telling their drama or whatever you hear them say like oh I apologize to them like I don't get understand why they're not over this right Mm -hmm. but for the other person on the other end it's still you can't just say I'm sorry and then everything from the past is just erased all Mm -hmm. that memory all the emotion that they went Mm -hmm. through is gone they still you know it affected them to who they are today they still remember so for mm-hmm. sure it is a process and there is you know levels to it that you can work through by having authentic vulnerable conversations with them and you know going through that journey like you said a thousand percent a thousand percent I think sometimes people go back or people you know have reconnect to try to have closure you know that especially with romantic connections you know that one last conversation for closure um what do you think about that because sometimes I feel like closure doesn't come from what they say but more so what you're interpreting interpreting and what you give yourself yeah I um yeah I a thousand percent agree with you I tend to think that the way in which um, society thinks of closure is almost like a hymen to me. Like it doesn't exist, right? Like I think that like mm-hmm. people think that like it's it's again like it's similar to forgiveness. So, like it's this it's this destination. You get there, you you get a certain experience, you get something from it, then you're able to now move on and go on your own path. Um, I am very much in your camp of I the only place in which you can get closure or anything resembling closure is from yourself. And I think similar to forgiveness, I think it's a destination. I don't think that it's something that you just get there, then it's done. I think it's a journey. I think it is um I think that because um, I think a lot about like my prior relationships and there's still things that I'm learning about them even now, right? Like even after you know, we've had these closure conversations even after time has passed. Because again, like, I don't think that any of these things, nothing in your life is stagnant. The things that happened in, in your past are still alive and breathing in your soul and in your heart right now, even if you aren't aware of it. And so mm-hmm. I think that, um, yeah, like there's more, I think that closure can, you, you will get more and more of it. Um, and you can even, I think, regress in closure too, as well. I think you can reopen wounds as easily as you can close them a lot of the times. And so for me, again, it's more of that sort of like, there's a fluidity there a little bit. You know what I mean? There's moments where I was talking to my exes where like, you know, I regress a little bit. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not as close as I thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, and you close it again. Like it is, there is a fluidity to it that I think that people don't often take into account. And I think that, again, the the byproduct of that understanding is that, you know, we get so, we were so hard on ourselves for revisiting an ex or being upset over someone from our past, but that's, it's because it's, it's fluid, of course, like it's still a, li- a living, breathing part of you, you know, it's not something that you just, you know, throw out the window. Yeah, for sure. It's funny you mentioned regression, because when I think sometimes 
sometimes I think about, you know, a relationship I had in the past Mm -hmm. and so much time has passed by now that I'm like, I don't really care about that. Right. But then Mm -hmm. one little memory gets unlocked like randomly and it's like, oh my God, wait, that still triggers me. Like that still makes me so upset. And it's like, how do I work through this? Like I I didn't want to open that box, but it just like popped up in my memory. So that's, that's interesting that you mentioned that. That happened to me a lot with my ex-boyfriends. My ex-boyfriends, a million percent. Like, even, like, the thing, the way they spoke to me, the things that, like, you know what I mean? Like, even just the nickname and, like, all of, like, you're like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> still alive, you know, even though I'm a different person and like, my life has changed, like, it's still, these experiences are still alive in me. And that's where that, like, mm-hmm. comes from. And I think, I don't know, I think that is, of course, like, it's uncomfortable. But I think that that also is, um, I think it's a lot of, in a lot of ways, a, a beautiful thing because it means that you've lived, like you've given yourself to somebody, um, you've given yourself to an experience, um, and you've had that experience wholeheartedly with everything that you had, and that to me is the purpose of living. You know what I mean? So as much as it's like, oh, like I don't want to do this right now, I don't want to be here right now. I think it's just like, no, like that's like you're alive, like this is like life, you know? Yeah, so for sure. <laughs> Yeah. No, I tell myself that too sometimes where I'm just like, man, why did I get myself like in a situation with this person or like, why did that have to happen? But then as time has passed and I had time to reflect and I've grown, I realized that it has taught me so much and uh, it's given me so much wisdom as well. And I feel like if I not to say that if I didn't have those situations happen, my life would be boring, but I feel like it has given me so much to say about my life and to yeah. share as well and to relate with people as well because yes. I think that that's the biggest thing in life, I think, is relating to people and, you know, having common emotions and being able to share these stories and these wisdoms with each other. Um, so it, it's a sad thing when it happens, but it's a beautiful thing when you start to reflect back on it and what it's thing. provided you. You've got to find that silver lining. It does, because I, I, I just think, I do think that it is indicative of, oh no, like you've lived a life. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So um, from your personal experience, what do you think helps keep friendships more intimate and fulfilling mm-hmm. as young adults? Mm. That's a great question. I think, um, I think a whole lot of understanding. I think that um, for many people, your 20s is a chaotic decade. I don't know about you, but I'm only 28 and I've been like 16 different people since I turned 20, minimum. Um, (laughs) I think um, something that I know I wish I had given and received um, with friends throughout the last like eight or so years it's just like understanding you know what I mean understanding that like you know there's gonna be times where I might not be the best friend or you might not be the best friend um but that is okay um and you know I think just being able to talk about that and to be open about that and to um not be afraid of going there with a friend I think is also really crucial um again going back to my friend Dominique that was literally what happened to us right like we were feeling two very different things but then nobody talked about it um for various reasons right some that we're not really sure of but mostly because you know like again like I don't think that we have the language for this we haven't been taught how to have these conversations like in this particular arena so I think you know just like 
being open and being communicative, like, you know, everyone always says that communication is the key to romantic relations, but it is for any relationship, right? I think, yes. you know, like, it might feel like you talk a lot with your friends, um, and especially as women, obviously, like the majority of us, we talk a lot and we communicate a lot. With yes. A particular kind of communication that I'm talking about, um, about um, emotions and about fears in regards to that you're the friendship you know what I mean I've had so many friends that I've lost that way because we just didn't acknowledge it like we didn't acknowledge Mm -hmm. like the very palpable like you know like maybe it's frustrations because like we're not you know like spending actual enough physical time together or maybe it's oh like the way that a friend talks about something that makes you feel off or whatever it might be I've lost so many people like that so I really think it's those two things. I think it's understanding. Um, I think uh, also it's commitment. I think in a lot of ways too, again, I think, you know, like millennials, Gen Z, millennials, all of us, we don't get the, we don't have the best rap for, you know, committing to people. It's not our forte. Um, and I think that is evident in like this epidemic of friendship loss and in this epidemic of, of you know, just like, um, well, it's the word I'm looking for. Um, not really breakups, but just like, um, the, our approaches to relationships and committing to somebody, um, they're changing, they're warping, they're different because of the way in which, you know, we are as a generation. Um, so I think, yeah, like just committing and be like, yeah, like I, like, I believe in you. I trust you. I love you. I want you in my life. And just like settling in that I think is, is really, um, important. And I think that's the key to really finding people and finding relationships that will last, not just throughout the chaotic decade, but throughout your life. Mm Mm-hmm. So beautifully said. I think when you said, you know, understanding is like top, you know, priority. Like you said, communicating is important. But if you don't have friends that are understanding, you can be communicating, you can be talking forever, and they just won't understand you. And, (laughs) and that's the most frustrating part is when you Mm -hmm. communicate and you're not being understood. Yes, that for sure. Yeah, um, Courtney Kardashian right now with her family. <laughs> a little bit of a tangent. Yes. You know, like how she's she's speaking, but it's like she's not being understood. And that's where I think like those relationships are at a head because you can't go anywhere with anybody if they don't even attempt to understand you and where you're coming from. So it's to to you exactly what you said, right? Like it is the first stop a thousand percent. For sure. And I also like how you mentioned just talking about your friendship within you know, that group chat or with your friends and yeah. expressing your gratitude for that friendship. I think yeah. something we don't do often enough is express our gratitude for these friendships. Because like you said, friendship is not guaranteed. You're not guaranteed to have friends in life. You have to make the effort, you know, to make friends and to keep those friends, but mm-hmm. expressing that gratitude, letting them know that you are grateful to have them in your life yeah. is so important. Yeah, yeah, I think it is so sure. sweet. Appreciate your friends. You know what I mean? Tell them that you love them. Thank them. I think those little things go like a very long way, even in like fostering like intimacy with somebody. You know what I mean? Like, especially like, you know, having so many friends that live in other countries, I try and be as verbal as I can about how much I love them and appreciate them and how much I'm rooting for them. Because that I think can be a moment of intimacy and a moment of connection. Um, If you can't find the time, if you can't make it to brunch this week, you know, I think it's at least important to try and have that moment and to create that moment. Yeah. And it may be obvious that you love this person, but sometimes you have to state the obvious and (laughs) let them hear that. 
Yeah, yeah I would for sure. That stuff that I thought was obvious to me. Um, that wasn't to like my ex-boyfriends, my ex-friends. It's like, you know, people really like have their own way of looking at life and they have in their, they have their own head and they have their own perspective that is usually wildly different than yours. So like, maybe they do know, but maybe they don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think with fostering, um, intimacy with friendships, especially with long distance friendship. Yeah, I think one thing I've learned um, that helps is just keeping your friends updated with like the smallest things in life, you know, what's going on in your life. Because like I said, we're not with each other all the time. We don't know the little things that go on in someone's life that we did when we were, you know, college buddies with them, when we saw them every every time, right? It's the little things in life that we know about someone's life that makes us feel very close and connected and a part of their life versus just reporting on big events that are happening in your life. Having those little intimate chats where you're updating them about the little things in your life is just as important as giving them details about the big things in your life. That's something I'm trying to do now with my friends stateside. Just, you know, instead of like, you know, having these three hour long FaceTimes every month or every six weeks, just like having this little like, oh, hey, like, like, what was the highlight of your week? Or like, what was the highlight of your day? Like, what's going on? Like, it's kind of like quicker um, sync ups. Because I think that, again, like, I think it fosters a closeness that is more yes. meaningful than, you know, the long catch ups do. Yeah, for sure. Actually, one of my groups of friends, we are all long distance. So oh. sometimes we would <laughs> take pictures of like us the day, like during the day, be like, hey, look, I dressed up today. I'm not in my pajamas all day at work. That and it so just cute. like, yeah and it's like such a small thing but it's like one you get to see a picture of their face and then you have something you you see what they look like that day and it it seems so dumb and it seems so small like as an outsider sometimes you're like why would you care but in the friendship it really does matter and does build up like intimacy and closeness it does like what does your hair look like oh like you're doing your eyebrows differently again like it, it it's it really is those little things it makes you feel close to somebody I love that idea I'm gonna steal that I like the idea of like oh hey like here I am doing this because it, again it makes people feel a part of your experience a part of your life and that is everything for sure and like you know people already post selfies on social media but like we said earlier that doesn't have the same connection as sending a personal text you know because social media is just out there for whoever wants to see but personal text you're being intentional with Mm -hmm. who you're sending it to Mm -hmm. and I think intention is very important someone like hey like look at this moment in my day I was thinking about you I'm out here living my life but you crossed my mind like that's so special right like whenever I get those type of texts I'm like oh my gosh or like sometimes I would be thinking about somebody and I wouldn't have the time to text them but then they text me and they're like oh I'm thinking about you and I'm like oh my god I should have just texted you when I was thinking about you um but yeah I love those moments those are great moments for sure all right well my last question for you is you know, like I said before, it takes a lot of bravery and vulnerability to reach out to those that were important to you in your past. Mm. Um, what advice would you have for somebody who is in that same situation where they want to reach out to somebody in the past and have that conversation, um, but they're debating on whether or not they should and how they should approach this? Yes. 
Well, I think first it's really important that you feel really good about it. Um, it has to feel organic. Like it, make sure it's the right time for you. Um, you have healed whatever you need to heal to walk into those conversations. You um, feel like it's the right time in your life to like kind of revisit. Um, I think it has to feel right and good to you, number one, with anything that you do in life. Because um, usually that's where the magic begins. Um, it has to feel like this is right for you in this particular moment in your life. But I think it really is about, um, like, I think caution to a certain extent, but also honesty. I think a lot of the times, you know, if you're the one reaching out, you're the one who sets the tone. So I think, you know, if you, you know, be honest, you know, say how you feel, um, you know, leave room for them to meet you halfway or to share how they feel if it's different. Um, and I think, you know, in a lot of ways, like to protect yourself, you know, I think, you know, just kind of like leave it out there a little bit. Um, yeah, I think th that's what I would tell that person. Um, and that understand that no matter which way it goes, um, you proved something to yourself in that moment, right? Like you proved like, oh, I, I'm not that person that I was when we had that fight or when our friendship fizzled. Um, no matter what the outcome is, you're going to get something positive from it for your own self. Um, and then you'll go into other relationships, even the relationship that you have with yourself, a better person, more understanding, more loving, more open, um, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I would say. I love that. And, you know, hearing the experience from another person's perspective of how things went down is important because in our mind, everything revolves around our own narrative in our own mind. But yeah. when you hear from somebody else, you see a different perspective and you see maybe you could have handled things differently or where you yeah. went wrong or where they understand they went wrong and it validates, you know, the narrative that you have. So yeah. it's, I completely it's a hard I conversation. It's so hard. And I think with, with the right, at the right time, with the right kind of friends, the right kind of exes, it can really, it can be all of that. It can really show you so much about who you are and only make you a better person. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, I had so much fun chatting with you and finally getting to actually chat with you like, yeah, like this instead of through a text. Yeah. You, are you really are. Oh, thank you. You are so great too. Um, before we end this episode, where can people find you on social media? If they want to chat with you or connect with you. The question is, where can't you find me on all the social <laughs> every single social platform at Koimwai. Um, that's at K-U-I-M-W-A-I. Um, on Twitter, it's at Koimwai underscore. I couldn't get the at Koimwai. It was very devastated. <laughs> No, my DMs are always open. Please DM me. Um, yeah, I have loved talking to people, especially regarding the last two um, articles for Vogue. Um, a lot of folks have opened up about their own experiences. I love chatting with people. So DM me, follow me. Let's chat. Yes. And I'll leave um, all the socials on the description so it's easier for people to find if they just want to click <laughs> well thank you she knows what time it is <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for joining me and again giving you know your time because I know the time difference and it's a weekend for you so it, is it is it Saturday night for you right now yeah it's Saturday 6 p.m over here and thank you so much I also appreciate your time I know it's morning for you uh you probably want to <laughs> in but no I, I really appreciate this thank you so much for inviting me like I told you offline I love your podcast I wholeheartedly believe in the conversations that you are initiating and having and so I'm just I'm so proud to have been a
a part of at least one. Aw, well, I hope many more to come. <laughs> I hope so, please. The D- my DMs are open yeah. for you <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Hello 20s. Let's get connected and continue our conversation over on social media. The links are in the show notes, so you're only one click away. I hope to see you there and I'll talk to you guys in my next episode.